Sometimes we just need someone to set the record straight. Every now and then, we need a person who has our best interest at heart to look us in the eye and tell us the plain spoken truth. In a snowflake generation that can no longer take the heat, we need a fresh baptism of no-nonsense, undiluted truth from the Word of God. If you are open to this type of challenge to your soul, then you are about to be helped with today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. And now, here is our host, a man who earned a PhD in making waves against the shallow ends of the pool of religion, Jeff Lyle. Man, it feels like I am living in a whirlwind. I don't know about you, but it really does. It just feels like we've got pedal to the metal. 150 miles an hour every single day, and part of me is absolutely thrilled with it. And then when I do pause and slow down, um, and well, frankly, crash physically sometimes, um, there are moments where I say, what, what am I doing? And then I just get into the presence of the Lord and say, Father, I don't want to be busy. I want to be blessed. Please let me know if um, I'm doing too much or going too fast or staying too long or working too hard. And I just get in that quiet place and just ask him to order my thoughts and order my emotions and order my days. Like, Lord Jesus, order my calendar. What am I doing that is uh, unnecessary? And is there anything that I'm giving my, my heart to that's unprofitable? And there's times where you just have to do that at a more frequent um, uh, element than than you would in normal life. There's moments where you've just got to get in the presence of the Lord and you know check in daily and just say, God, am I living this week in Your will? Am I living the last month in Your will, not Your general will, but Your very specific will for me as Your child? And, um, you know, I have to tell you that right now I just hear the Lord say, keep going. I'm going to give you everything you need. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. He knows, he knows I love to move. I love to go. I love to do. And, um, so it's a very rewarding season right now. I don't know about you. How, How are you doing? Well, I couldn't hear all those answers at once, but I guess that, pardon me. I got something in my throat. Here we go. No, we don't edit that out because I just don't care. (laughs) Uh, I hope that you're doing well. And I imagine that some of you are saying, Jeff, this is a great season. Some of you are saying, Jeff, this is a really, really tough season. And as always, what I like to do is I like to circle back with all the children of God that I do life with or I get to pour into through teaching, preaching, podcast, all that stuff. And I just say, I'm pointing you to Jesus because he is the answer and he has all the other answers. As the answer, the, capital T, answer, capital A, is Jesus is the answer. He also has all the other answers that we need for day-to-day living. Um, Recently, I preached, I guess it was a month ago, at the North Georgia Revival. Do you guys go up to that in Dawsonville, Georgia? at Christ Fellowship, like if, if you live within, you know, an hour or two, I'm just going to be bold and tell you, if you've never gone, you need to go this Sunday night, Sunday night at 6 PM. You just need to go, um, doing some coffee too here. Um, for, I don't know, 220 weeks over four years, uh, Christ Fellowship Church, home of the North Georgia Revival has been stewarding a move of God that um, is unlike any move I've ever heard of in my lifetime or 
any move I've heard of in this region. And it's too long for me to go into the details of it, but um, we're talking about scores of healings and miracles. I don't know how many. I know that some are validated by testimony. A person will say, this is what happened to me. Others are so dramatic, they're, they're validated by medical and physicians' reports. Stage four cancer wiped out. Blind eyes legitimately made to see. Deaf ears legitimately made to see. Most recently in one of the, I call them an export location because when this thing broke open, um, a couple of years ago, Pastor Todd Smith started um, hearing from the Lord that there was the need to export, to go to other churches and um, do what they do. And so there, there was a little boy who was basically nonverbal. He, w- he could make sounds, but he almost never articulated words and sentences. Um, he understood words, but could not speak. Um, and when he did speak, it was far beneath the level that he should have been at. Uh, based on his age. And um, he was baptized in the waters during a revival service. And he uh, regained his speech nearly immediately. And there was a video of him before and after. And literally, it brought me to my knees. I literally, when I saw the video, I, I fell on my knees. Because this little boy who had been trapped in a world of muteness um, began to talk and hold normal cognizant conversations with people. And there's no, there's no other explanation. It's the power of God. God did it. Holy Spirit healed that boy. So those just are a few examples. Literally, I could do multiple podcast episodes and go over some of the um, records that they have. But that's not my point today. My point is this, is that while all this, this has been breaking out for four years, um, while God's sustaining a move, among the people of the North Georgia revival, there are individuals that protest it. They protest it, not merely just in casual conversation over lunch, but there has been recently about a month and a half ago, um, a pastor in Kentucky who was just, um, I think he said he was 80 miles away from where this, um, exported location was where this revival happened. I believe it was the same church where the little boy, I was healed of autism and that mutinous. I believe that's the case. But regardless, if it wasn't that specific case, it was a case where there were many people being baptized, water baptized, and experiencing breakthrough, deliverance, um, freedom from addictions. Yes, there are salvations going on, if that's um, curious to some of you. Yeah, people are getting baptized for believer's salvation. But um, in this one location, this pastor... He was a denominational pastor, doesn't believe in the gifts of the spirit, doesn't believe in healing, um, believes in salvation message, believes in rightly dividing the word of truth. At least that's what he says. But he doesn't believe in all the extra, doesn't believe in the supernatural, doesn't believe in an active moving Holy Ghost. He believes in an omnipresent Holy Ghost, I guess, who seals us for salvation and then doesn't do much else after that. But he doesn't believe in the miracles. And so he took it upon himself to um, go online, 
Facebook, I think, and maybe YouTube, post a, about a two-hour video denouncing uh, the church in Kentucky that was hosting Todd Smith and uh, the works of the North Georgia Revival that God's been doing. And they were up in Kentucky doing it. So this man just started denouncing it, started warning people, this isn't of the Lord. Well, that video was picked up by a um, Dawson County school board member, is my understanding. Dawson County is where the same county where the North Georgia Revival is uh, taking place. And so in Dawson County, uh, I don't know the man's name, school board member. I watched the first video. I did not watch the second one. But he came in and said that, uh, don't go near the North Georgia Revival. Don't go near Christ Fellowship Church. Because the leaders there are apostate, they're heretical, they're false teachers, and nobody should go there. Well, let me take another sip of coffee before I step into this. Why am I bringing up that? Because it's kind of a downer. But the reality is, is not all Christians um, see eye to eye on the works of God in the supernatural realm, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, supernatural healings. Miracles, breakthroughs, deliverances, um, restorative miracles, creative miracles, healing miracles. Um, I would say relational miracles. Those are harder to quantify. But when a husband and wife hate each other and then they come to a place of repentance and they're baptized and whatever that hatred was seemingly is washed off in that moment of faith and repentance. Um, the water, water is not magic. It's not magic water. It's just tap water. But there's something going on that God has sovereignly chosen to do. And it's been sustained for four years. And I'm not real sure why any Christian would be upset about it. I'm really not. Let me give you a couple of verses because this is nothing new. When I preached that message up at the North Georgia Revival, I went for it. I, I was righteously indignant. And I do believe it was a righteous anger. Uh, the message, I called it, uh, When Religion Resist Revival. And I gave pushback on the spirit of religion that is uh, clipping people so that they can't fly, so that they can't ascend, so that they can't move forward in the glories that God has for us in this generation. And, and I specifically, but not by name, but I referenced these two individuals that have given public pushback because um, where they're telling people to be afraid of what's going on at the North Georgia Revival, I'm up there almost every Sunday night. And I'm saying if I could get every Christian I knew to get there and get into the pool and listen for the Lord and experience the Lord, I'd bring them. I'd find them, bring them, because that's how strongly I believe in what God is doing there. So if we go back 2,000 years ago, we, uh, we find this. Jesus is being accosted by the Pharisees. By the Sadducees, actually. It's the Sadducees. They're ancient religious Jewish leaders. And Jesus is being accosted by them. And he is, um, they're seeking to trick him. Um, and they're going after him. And so when, when I see their tactics, I think about what's going on today. When God is moving in our midst and religious leaders... People with positions, people with clout, people with sincerity. I don't want to say these people are insincere. They're absolutely sincere. They believe they're doing God a service by resisting these things. So I don't want to doubt their insincerity. 
but I do want to spotlight their inconsistency. Um, in Mark 12, 24, you know, the Sadducees are creating this hypothetical argument with the son of God. And it's actually, they're creating the hypothetical argument by presenting this question to Jesus about um, a woman being married to a man. He dies by tradition. She then marries his brother. He dies by tradition. Then he marries the other brother. And that's just the way things went back then. So this woman, woman is, ends up marrying seven brothers. And the Sadducees, who don't believe in the resurrection, come to Jesus and they say, okay, who does this woman belong to in the res- resurrection? Jesus, you're... You're talking about the resurrection. We don't really believe in the resurrection, but here's a question for you. Here, we got you. See if you can figure this one out. This lady who had seven legitimate marriages to seven brothers, which one of the brothers gets her in the resurrection? Whose wife is she? So they didn't even, listen, these men aren't looking for answers. They were just looking for an opportunity to denounce and mock and to discredit Jesus. And Here's what Jesus says. Let me give you what Jesus says. If you ever want to look at this, this is in Mark 12, verse 24. Jesus said to them, here's his answer. Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Can I read it again for emphasis? Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. So these tricksters come to Jesus and they think they're going to pull a barrel over the son of God who's omniscient, knows what's in their heart, has an answer to every question. And I love the fact that Jesus doesn't, you know, he doesn't just play sweet with them. He tells them before he explains the whole concept of the resurrection. And he basically says, marriage doesn't continue into the resurrection. She doesn't belong to anybody. She is a resurrected child of God that belongs to the God who resurrected her. And she's nobody's wife in the resurrection, an entirely different topic for an entirely different podcast, but it's true. And so, um, he's telling them that. And, but before he does, he just looks at these leaders and they've got clout position. They're wearing their, you know, religious uniforms. They're a, they're a posse. We take a sip of coffee here. You know, there's a gang, they're ganging up on the Lord. He doesn't protest. He doesn't say, uh, mm, uh, mm, ah, good question. Uh, I don't know. Jesus just looks at him and says, you're wrong. Can I unpack it? He says, your entire question is wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to speak at a PhD level about something you don't even have a kindergarten diploma in. He says, this is funny. You guys are so wrong and I'm going to tell you the reason you're wrong in asking your question because there are two things you are ignorant of you don't know your Bible and you don't know the power of God you know I think um, leaving you know two millennia ago in Palestine and coming right here to the Bible belt where this same spirit still exists Uh, People with religious position, religious opinion, uh, what they believe is religious insight. They hold the cards. They've never been to the North Georgia revival. They never personally investigated the, the goings on. And even the pastor who was in the other state, state of Kentucky, 
He went to one service one night, and he didn't go there to be enlightened. He went there to gather evidence about why what, what God was doing there couldn't be of God. So when you are looking at something that you don't understand in the kingdom, but you walk in with your mind made up, and what you're doing is you're looking at what's going on through the filter of unbelief, guess what you're going to leave with? Stronger unbelief. So the pastor in Kentucky attended one of the baptism services, and then he did a two-hour video. And here's what he didn't do. He never talked to anybody that got healed. He never sat down with a cup of coffee or a lunch and talked to the family, the parents of a little boy who went under the water with one blind eye, came up seeing, and then a short time later for the first time in his life, I think he was about seven or eight years old, um, short time later, he's playing baseball. I saw the video clip. I saw the boy go under, blind eye, come up smiling, telling the baptism team that he could see out of that eye. And then the next thing we see is a camera phone, a phone camera video of that same little boy weeks later, months later, I don't know how long. And he's on a baseball field and he's swinging the bat and he's hitting the ball. He's blind. (laughs) But that pastor wouldn't talk to those guys because he had his mind made up. And why? Well, a couple of reasons. One, he's theologically convinced that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including miracles and healings, for the most part, stopped somewhere. He's a cessationist. He's a denominational pastor. He used to, he's part of the denomination I used to be a part of. And once upon a time, I believe the same thing. So I know how the man thinks he's legitimately trying to protect people. That's what he thinks. Um, but he's wrong. Why is he wrong? Because he knows neither the word of God nor the power of God. That's what Jesus said to the Sadducees. So he says to the Sadducees, you don't properly interpret the scriptures And you don't know the power of God, and therefore you're wrong. So here's what I want to give you, and especially those of you that might be on the fence, not simply about the North Georgia Revival. North Georgia Revival, I think, is a litmus test for Christians in in the state of Georgia and the Southeast. People that are crying out for a revival, people that are crying out for God to move, people that are crying out for, you know, like a, a, a regional breakthrough, a shaking, a destroying of dead Orthodox churchianity. And God says, okay, I'm going to do something so out of the box that you can't find a precedent for it anywhere. I'm going to set baptism waters on fire. And those that come in are going to experience healings. They're going to experience deliverances. They're going to experience breakthrough in addiction. They're going to have um, literally demonic powers broken off of them. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell Todd Smith ahead of time that if he'll facilitate this, this is what I'll do. And, you know, everybody wants revival, but not everybody wants revival to come in a way that doesn't fit the way they thought it would come. So I think it's a test. And so the reality is, is that when we, when we have the scriptural lens, I hope y'all are listening to this, man. I know this isn't my normal kind of like flow on the podcast, but I'm going after a specific thing because I, I do. I think that there's some people that listen to this podcast And you don't have your mind made up about the supernatural works of God. That you straight up, you just don't have your mind made up yet. You're on the fence. And because we all know, you don't have to be a spiritual PhD to know that there's, you know, lots of fakery in charismatic um, circles over the last 50 years. We know that. 
It's been exposed. You listen, bravo. Okay, you know what everybody else knows. But you never judge the validity of a Bible doctrine based on how it's abused. We don't get to say it's abused, therefore it can't be true. Because if that's our motif, then nobody should listen to preaching because preaching has been abused. Yeah, sure, prophecy has been abused. You throw out prophecy, but Bible teaching has been abused and nobody's throwing out Bible teaching. Um, There's been a lot of people that won't give their money to Christian organizations because there have been abuses of fundraising where leaders took it and used it for themselves. But nobody's talking about the countless millions upon millions of dollars that have legitimately been funneled into ministry, missions, church building, humanitarian. I mean, good night alive. We funneled billions of dollars. And so nobody, nobody says, well, we just ought to, and if you do say you ought to stop giving, you're just, you're, <laughs> you need, you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. So what am I saying here? The, the question boils down for me is either the gifts have stopped or they haven't, and there's no middle ground. So there's no middle ground. Either the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped. That's the doctrine of cessationism. The gifts have ceased the cessation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural ones. Signs, wonders, miracles, tongues, healings, prophecies, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Either those things have stopped or they haven't. And you can't sit on the fence the rest of your life. You need to make up your mind. And if you're going to decide that the gifts of the Spirit have stopped, hold on, another sip of coffee. If you're going to insist that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped, give me Bible. Give me Bible because it's clear in the Bible that God gave the gifts. The reason for the gifts being given are very clear in the scripture. The gifts of the Holy Spirit were necessary for ministry all throughout the book of Acts. And they're talked about in the epistles, the letters. And nowhere, like I want, to, I want you to hear this, nowhere, nowhere, not one verse, Is there any statement in scripture that says the gifts have now ceased? And if it was not for the misinterpretation of 1 Corinthians 13 verses 8, 9, and 10, nobody would think that the gifts have ceased. Hear me. The flimsy nail upon which the heavy doctrine of cessationism hangs is 1 Corinthians 13, 8, 9, and 10. Because it does say that tongues will cease, prophecies will cease. It does say that. But if you just keep reading in the rest of that chapter, it actually tells you when that will happen. And it's when Jesus Christ returns to earth. So if you're going to have the position that the gifts have ceased, the supernatural works cannot happen because they've stopped, then you don't know the scriptures. You don't. I appreciate what your traditions say. I used to be in your camp. I used to pound that nail too. Until I started realizing, man, we're, we're speaking this cessation of the gifts and the miracles and the breakthroughs. We're speaking at a high volume and the Bible doesn't say anything about it. And so I started getting under the fear of the Lord that I'm actually removing parts of scripture. Oh, I'm not tearing up my Bible physically, but I'm removing the validity of scriptures by simply saying they've stopped. The gifts have stopped. Supernatural miracles and healings have stopped. So I didn't know the scriptures, and I'll just go ahead and be bold. If you believe 
that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have stopped, you don't know your Bible. I'm not being mean. I'm trying to say that if you were getting salvation wrong, I would have the same tone. If you were getting the second coming wrong, I would have the same tone. If you would have any questions or diminishing the glory of God as being the central focus of the eternal ages, I would have the same tone with you. Why? Because you're denying the authority of the written word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So when somebody is saying, yeah, all that stuff is fake because God doesn't do that anymore. I just say, could you please show me in the Bible? In the Bible. Because if the Bible established it, the only way I'm going to stop believing in it is if the Bible has removed it. And there is not a single verse in the entire Bible that says that this stuff's up. Therefore, if the Bible doesn't say that these things, supernatural works of the Holy Spirit, including miracles and healings, if the Bible doesn't say that it's stopped, then it hasn't. Therefore, it is current. It is present. And maybe the reason why people don't believe in the legitimacy of what's going on at the North Georgia Revival is because they don't even believe the word of God substantiates miracles and healings. So you get what you expect. If I don't believe in healings, I'm not going to seek healings. If I don't, hey, listen, I don't believe in Santa Claus. So on December 24th, I don't stay up looking out the window, hoping I hear sleigh bells. You know why? I don't believe in it. And if you don't believe in the supernatural, miraculous healing works of God, you're not going to be looking for them and you're not going to see them because your unbelief has blinded you. You don't know the scriptures. And so as most of these denominations, by the way, let me, let me be very fair here. The pastor that denounced the works in Kentucky, I just went and listened to some of his sermons. What's incredible is he gets the message of salvation right. He's actually a pretty decent teacher. He gets the message of salvation right, but he gets the kingdom wrong. And so just because somebody gets the gospel message of salvation right, it doesn't mean they get the kingdom right. This man absolutely gets the kingdom wrong. So I, I, just, I just take my cue from Jesus when he's standing in the face of religious spirit that is denouncing what he says and does. I just say the same thing right now. I say what Jesus said to the Sadducees. You are wrong. Objectively, biblically, scripturally, theologically wrong. Because we both can't be right. The gifts and the miracles can't both be ceased. And continuing, somebody's right, somebody's wrong. And you can't, I can show you in the Bible over and over where the Bible actually says the gifts will continue. Read Ephesians 4, and it talks about the office of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. And it speaks about these gifted offices being given to the church until we all come to unity. I'm just going to ask you, when you see the word until, that is a reference of time. So these offices are established. So if there are prophets that are established, guess what? Prophecy is established. And there's nowhere in, the, and, and by the way, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, those primary chapters on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they tell you why the gifts were given. They're given to have ministry effectiveness, that we're literally, the gifts are for ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, if we say that the gifts have ceased, then what are we relying upon to build up the church? 
We're relying on our own expertise. We're relying on programs. We're relying on our education. We're relying on cultural acceptance of what we're trying to communicate. We're relying on the flesh. If we don't have the gifts of the spirit, we are in part relying on the flesh. It's no longer supernatural work. It's simply logical work. It's reasonable work. It's functional work. It's practical work. It's flesh work. And guess who gets the glory if it succeeds? We do. Oh, we say, I mean, I'm just speaking hypothetically here. We say, oh no, we're doing this for the Lord to God be all the glory. Yeah, but you you actually say you're doing it all in your own strength because the supernatural power of God is not at work. And some people say, no, Jeff, it is the supernatural. The Holy Spirit just uses our natural gifts, except that's not what the Bible says. And so it's funny to me that the people who claim to have the strongest allegiance to the written word of God are the same people who conveniently ignore this part of the written word of God. And they just, with one fell swoop, say, no, that stuff doesn't continue anymore. That stuff's gone, and God quit doing that 2,000 years ago. So they don't know the word of God, and therefore, last point, they consequently, as Jesus said to the ancient Sadducees, they, because they don't know the word of God, they can't experience the power of God. They can't experience the power of God. Jesus said to the Sadducees, you are wrong. You don't know the word of God. You don't know the scriptures. And you don't know the power of God. So you're speaking with authority about something you know nothing about. And that's sad. That's sad. You know, I don't talk much about quantum physics. Could you imagine me getting in a room with a bunch of scientists, physicists, sitting down at their table and start rambling in my own brave, courageous, confident voice my less than elementary school understanding of quantum physics while I'm in a room with a bunch of PhDs who are physicists. How foolish that would be. You know what I should do if I'm ever in that situation? I should sit there and listen and ask questions. I should seek to gain understanding. I should seek to learn, not to teach. Why? Because I don't understand quantum physics and they do. And so when a pastor is a keyboard jockey firing off, you know, videos about something he doesn't understand, I actually feel embarrassed for him. Because if you haven't experienced the power of God, of course you don't believe in the power of God. And when you see the power of God all around you, you can't interpret spiritual things because spiritual things are interpreted by those that are spiritual. And so this man was in this religious cocoon, peeking out of a little hole he had poked out with his finger, trying to absorb everything that God was doing. His conclusion was the same conclusion he walked in with. None of this is real. But if he would sit down with some of these people that have actually experienced healing, by the way, I'm one of them. Listen, those, those water baptisms, I, I, had, I had Renault's disease in my hands. That means my hands hurt constantly because of nerve damage. It came after my chemotherapy. And it's a, it's a very normal byproduct of chemotherapy, the type of chemo that I did. And so for a year, my hands hurt to the point where I would wake up multiple times at night in searing pain, have to sit up in bed. And I got sick of it finally. And so we, um, like in a day, I, 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 I couldn't even wait till the Sunday to get immersed. I literally took the cloths that had been dipped in the waters at the North Georgia Revival. I laid them on both of my hands um, intermittently. For about three hours. And then that night, I had some people in my church pray over me. And my hands were healed the next day. That was, I don't know, six months ago. Yeah, probably around six months ago. Um, I haven't had any pain in my hands since then. So, sir, 
and people like you, when you're telling me it's fake, you are wrong. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know anything about the power of God in this instance. So listen, I want to finish up by saying this. I don't like saying stuff like this. I don't like doing podcasts like this because it's a, it's, it's, it feels divisional. Um, but sometimes as brothers and sisters, and by the way, just in case you're wondering, you're saying, Jeff, you're doing to him what he did to them. No, I actually reached out to this man and said, I would love to speak to you one-on-one. Is there an uh, opportunity for us to talk about this? Because I believe I can help you understand. Of course, it was not returned. He doesn't have any interest in talking to me. So I'm, I'm not just firing off, you know, some random shots. I literally did what you're supposed to do. Go one-on-one with somebody. But and I'm, I'm not even mentioning the man's name because I'm not interested in discrediting him, crediting him completely. But I am interested in using him as an example to say to all of you that are listening, if you don't know the scriptures, you're wrong. And if you don't know the power of God, you're wrong. And if you only know the power of God, you're not going to be right all the time. And if you only know the scriptures, you're not going to be right all the time. Why? Because the design of God for the New Testament church and the New Testament Christian is that we would operate under a constant awareness and adherence to the authority of the written word of God and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God. We need the spirit of God. That is the paradigm for Christianity. And sadly, some people say, no, nah, we're going to stick with the word. And other people say, well, forget the word. We don't need the theology. We just want the power of God. And we have a neutered church. We have a church that is impotent. We have a church that is operating in all sorts of extremes, either extreme religious theology or extreme religious charismatic fanaticism. And it's wrong. So, guys, yes, I'm passionate about this. I don't apologize for it. We need the power of God in our churches. And so for all of you that don't have your mind made up, this is my challenge to you. And as I wrap up today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits, here's my challenge to you. Get in the word of God, make up your mind and go hard with your convictions. Stop apologizing. If you're a charismatic, stop apologizing for being a charismatic. Stop feeling foolish because that word charismatic is stigmatized and people think of all sorts of things. I don't care anymore. R.T. Kendall told me over lunch one day, he literally said this. He said, are you willing to bear the stigma of being called a charismatic? This is back when I was a Baptist and I was operating the gifts and he was challenging me to quit hiding in the gifts. He said, are you willing to bear the stigma of being called a charismatic? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, go home and change your church. And we did. Why? Because life's too short to hide and be ashamed of your biblical convictions and your framework. So charismatic, stop apologizing. And if you don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I don't know what to tell you. I would, I would suggest this. If you think we're wrong, let us be wrong. Because I'm telling you, it, it, it <laughs> ain't no healings happening in churches that don't believe in healings. No deliverances are happening in cessationist churches. Demons... Don't mess with churches that don't believe in the supernatural. You know why? Because those churches are actually cooperating with the demonic agenda to keep the church powerless. And so if you don't believe them, I would just say, prove it by the word. Prove it by the word of God. If you can prove to me in the word of God that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped at the end of the first century, I'll change my mind. I'll repent publicly. I'll say I was wrong and I'll resign my ministry. I'll turn in my credentials. If you can prove to me in the word of God that the gifts have presently ceased, I promise you, I will eat it. I will absolutely eat everything I've taught for the last however many years, eight years as a 
charismatic preacher. But guess what? I have studied it out and it's not in the word of God. It is tradition of man. And I will not, I'll, I'll probably have to give an account for some things that I regret when I stand before the Lord, but I will not stand before the Lord and have to give an account that because of fear and tradition, I removed one of the most important components of New Testament Christianity, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all for today on Mavericks and Misfits. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. We're happy you were able to tune in today. You can help us reach more people by rating and reviewing Mavericks and Misfits on whatever platform you use to listen to today's podcast. Connect with Jeff on his personal and ministry social media links by visiting transformingtruth.org. Also, feel free to email Jeff with comments or questions at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We will talk to you again next week. Peace.